0: reading this morning from 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 and then 13 and 15 1 John 4 1 to 3 Dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is how, this is, sorry, the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. This is how, I'm sorry, verse thirteen to fifteen. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God.
1: Thank you, Val. Now, I'm going to take an extra special effort to be conscious of the time this morning, recognising we've had a Paul Harrington update and we've had a great story from Matt and Mary. So, uh, trust me, trust me, I've started the stopwatch already. Uh, Now, this is the time of year that if you are familiar with Trinity Church Brighton, uh, or really any of the Trinity Churches, uh, it's a time of year that we often do our vision series. And our vision series is really us explaining uh, where we are going next year and how we're going to get there. But no surprises, you guys know that something called COVID happened this year, yes? Okay, and it kind of made a complete mess of every plan that we had made uh, last year. So, what we've decided to do is we didn't think they were bad plans last year. We're just going to roll them over, okay? So you're going to hear more about our mission focus and how we can actually get more on the front foot about telling people the good news about Jesus. So what you're going to get now is a vision series with a twist. Now, a couple of years ago, I caused my GP great consternation. I turned up and uh, he said to me, he said, uh, Cameron, uh, why are you here? And I said, I'm fit and well. I've been told I need to have regular checks. And I think he almost fell off his chair. Uh, he was not used to people who are fit and well actually coming in and saying, find out if there's anything wrong with me or tell me if there's something I can do better. Now, brothers and sisters at Trinity Church Brighton, we are not going to have a physical. Over the next five weeks, we're going to have a spiritual Okay, we are going to explore our spiritual health together and we're going to work out where maybe we're going well, where we can give thanks to God, other areas where we might need to pay more attention. So I've got four points for you this morning. Don't be fooled, searching for clues, undergoing a spiritual and prescriptions of grace. I like a little medical pun that's in there. Yes, okay, thank you. Well, someone kind of chuckled a little bit to themselves. It was good. It was good. Don't be fooled. Now, one of the things about spiritual health is we recognise that is something that comes to us from God. It's not like physical health where you can just take a pulse or take a temperature or measure people's weight and ask about diet and those kind of things. How do we know what to measure? What does it look like when God is at work in our lives and in the lives of others and in the lives of our church? Now, can I say this is not a new question. Uh, Back in the first century, the Apostle John wrote to churches in modern-day Turkey uh, who were troubled by false prophets who were coming in and they were asking the question that we're asking. How do we know this is from God? How do we know that when someone says something's from God, it is from God? How do we know from the fruit that we see in our lives? And John in 1 John 4 tells them, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, the Bible is unashamedly supernatural. Heaven, hell, spirits, angels, demons, God, Satan. The Bible tells us that not only is there a material world, there is a spiritual world, and the spiritual world can impact The material world. And John here is telling the Christians in that first century church and through the Holy Spirit he is telling us that not everything that is spiritual is from God. So therefore you have to test everything. You have to test the spirits because Satan himself, John 8 tells us, Jesus referred to him as the father of lies. Paul tells us that he masquerades as an angel of light. The devil often works through deception. So how do we know whether what we are seeing is real? Whether what we are experiencing is from God or somewhere else, because counterfeit cash is worthless. Counterfeit money, or counterfeit uh, medicine, is worse. But can I tell you, counterfeit religion is diabolical. Counterfeit religion not only destroys lives in the here and the now, but as Matt and Mary have reminded us this morning, into eternity. How do you know? Could we be vulnerable? Well, as you ask yourself, could you be vulnerable? Ask yourself, what impresses you? What impresses you? If someone came in here this morning and said, you've got to listen to me, I've, and they list something, would you go, oh, I want to hear what this person has to say? And there's all sorts of these people claiming to speak in Christ's name. Listen to me. I've had this incredible spiritual experience. Listen to me. I have title and position within organised religion. Listen to me. I have a wonderful charismatic personality. Who wouldn't want to listen to me? Listen to me. I have degrees, diplomas from the best Bible colleges, the best universities. Look at my credentials. Listen to me. Look at what I've built. Look at my church. This is actually a church. My goodness, hey? What are you impressed by? Could you be con? Could you spot a fake? Could you know the real thing? Brings us to our second point, searching for clues. And I want to introduce someone else. Now, this is a guy called Jonathan Edwards. Has anyone heard of Jonathan Edwards? There's a few. He's probably the best-known American theologian, I think, ancient and modern. Uh, this man, he ministered in the 1700s, the 18th century, at a time of great revival. You may have heard about the First and the Second Great Awakenings. Uh, they happened around the place and in the time when Jonathan Edwards was ministering. And lots and lots of people were putting their hand up and making commitments for Christ. And there was lots of people coming into the churches And there was lots of emotion. And there were strange spiritual things happening. And Edwards, he asked, are these things from God? Is this a work of the Holy Spirit? Or is this something else? And Edwards looked at all those things that I've just listed. And you know what he said? He said, maybe... But maybe not. Lots of people coming in, lots of people putting their hands up. I want to be a Christian. Lots of emotion, lots of spiritual stuff. Is it from God? Maybe. Maybe not. He called them marks of neutrality. They're not bad things. But you can't go to scripture and say, when God's spirit is moving, these things will happen. Churches will grow. Well, churches do grow for lots of reasons, including the work of the Spirit. People do make professions of faith for lots of reasons, but we know that endurance to the end is the mark of the true convert. Is it a work of Spirit that someone puts their hand up and comes forward? Maybe. Time will tell. Time will tell. Edwards calls these marks of neutrality. But he came up with a number of things from 1 John chapter 4 that he said we can be crystal clear that these are works of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer and the church. And what does he say? He said this is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is in the world. Now, when John says acknowledge, um, you know, have you ever walked down the street and you kind of see someone that you kind of sort of know and you you just have that kind of nod that you look at them and you just nod, yes, you do that? Okay, that to me is an acknowledgement. Okay, I've acknowledged that I kind of think I know you, but I don't know you well enough to say, hi, it's really good to see you. Uh, So I've acknowledged you and I've just moved on. That's not what John's talking about. The word here and pretty much every other translation other than the NIV that we use, translated this word confesses. And when you think about confession, it's a legal thing. And it's like you saying, these are the facts and i stand by them you're under oath you make your confession and that is what john is talking about anyone who confesses or any spirit that confesses that says this is true and i stand by this that that is what we're looking for they confess christ what particularly verse 2 that jesus has come in the flesh Verse 14, that he was sent by his Father, that he was sent, in again, verse 14, to be the saviour of the world. Verse 15, that he's the Son of God. And so Edwards looked at these things and he said, what is the sign of the work of the Holy Spirit? Let me read to you. When the work raises people's regard for the Jesus who was born of the Virgin and was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem and seems more to confirm and establish their minds in the truth of what the Gospel declares to us, that he is the Son of God and the Saviour of men. It is a sure sign that it is from the Spirit of God. When the work that the experience that we have, it raises our regard for the Christ of Scripture. The Jesus born of a virgin, crucified outside Jerusalem, when it raises our regard for Him, it's of God. When it increases our devotion, when it points us to Him, when it highlights His excellencies, we can be convinced this is a work of God. But it's got to be The real Jesus and not a fake. As he says, the Jesus who was born of a virgin and crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem. There's lots of people out there peddling their Jesus, the Jesus that they like. So, how do you know you got the real thing? When do you have a Jesus? that's not Jesus, if that makes sense. Well, when you have a Jesus who is not who the biblical Jesus is, okay, that's a complicated way of saying the Bible tells us a lot about Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ worshipped with God, Jesus Christ sent into the world to live... uh, for us, to show us God. The Nicene Creed, an ancient statement of faith that's unfortunately just way too long for us to regularly use in church, but it says it like this, Jesus Christ, one Lord, only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Get the idea. What's he saying? What's the Nicene Creed saying? This is the real Jesus who is fully man and fully God. Because there are lots of people out there who will tell you they love Jesus. There are lots of religions that they adopt him. We've heard from Matt and Mary about Islam. Islam have great reverence for Jesus, but not the Jesus of Scripture. Christian sects out there, they'll tell you they want to talk to you about Jesus, but not the Jesus who is fully God and fully man. They might honor him, but they deny ultimately who he is. So if you have a Jesus who is less than what the Bible tells you, you haven't got Jesus at all. And if you've got a Jesus who didn't do the things that the biblical Jesus did, you haven't got Jesus either. Because Jesus revealed the Father. Philip says in John 14, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. I think this is one of the classic understatements. Uh, You're kind of like, it's just a little thing. Show us God. Jesus' reply should should just floor us. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been amongst you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The real Jesus shows us God, what he is like. The real Jesus also redeems us. John tells us that God sent him into the world to be the saviour of the world. The Bible tells us that he bore our sins in our place. He took our penalty so that we might be forgiven. He died as our substitute. But then not only did he redeem us, but he rose again and he rules now. His victorious resurrection, a Jesus that is still in the grave is not Jesus because Jesus rose and ascended and will return with judgment and salvation. Jonathan Edwards tells us, John tells us, that the real work of the Spirit will be raising Christ, the real Christ, in our hearts. So how do we do this? How do we look at ourselves? How do we undergo the spiritual We've got to actually ask ourselves some questions. Now, I don't know if you're like me. I I don't like evaluation. Who who here likes a, you know that job evaluation? You called in by your boss, sit down. Let me tell you. Did you find that a fun experience? Or you walk into the into the bathroom and there's those scales sitting there. Um, do you look at that and go, oh great, I can. Jo-? Most of us don't like self-evaluation. Most of us don't like it because, and and it's in our society that that being judgmental is almost the worst sin you can commit in our society, yes. But we are told in Scripture that we need to be not self-judging, Jesus is the judge, we leave judgment to him, but self-evaluating. Paul says to the Corinthian church, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. To talk in Jonathan Edwards' language, see that the Jesus that you follow, the Jesus that is at work in your heart, see that the Spirit, is the Spirit raising him in your heart? Are you growing in devotion to him? There's a healthy introspection. But we need to also frame that in grace because sometimes when we look at ourselves, as soon as we start to evaluate ourselves, we start condemning ourselves. No. Remember, grace Grace must be the whole of the Christian life. We stand because of Christ's performance, not our progress. You need to have that frame. Otherwise, you'll start looking at yourself and you'll see very real issues. They are there. They are there for us individually and as a church. But you'll start then condemning yourself. And so, brother, sister, when that happens, go again to the cross. Christ died for these sins. They are forgiven and taken from you in him, by him. It is by grace we are saved through faith, not by works, not by our performance, not by our progress. It is by grace through faith. Grace must frame this. I hesitate to encourage it, but I think it's what the Scripture wants us to do, to ask ourselves this question. Am I growing in Christ? Because grace, if you have received it, it leaves a mark. It leaves a mark. There is evidence of God's work in your life if you are his, even if it is really small. It is there. Test yourselves. I'm going to give you five questions. And a bit later, next probably early next week, I'm going to send out an email with an invitation to a slightly longer, like 10 or 12 questions, little questionnaire, because I'd love to get a response that captures us as a church. I'm not gonna know that it's you that answered that question, it's all anonymous, but I'd love to get you to answer that. So look for that email, Uh, it's gonna be coming through and I'll post links to it uh, on our Facebook group as well. But brothers and sisters, Do we see in ourselves a growing delight in knowing Christ more? Is it enough for us to have a passing acknowledgement? Or do we want to know him? And do we look back over the last year and we see that we have known him more? We're growing in our knowledge of this, our friend, our brother, our Lord, our Saviour. We can always know Christ more. And do we look at that last period of time, that last year perhaps, and say this has been a time where I have grown to know Christ more and I am so thankful. Wow, I can know him. Do we have a growing delight in knowing him more? Do we have a growing awe at his glory and majesty. When we see Christ in Scripture, when we read the Gospels, when we read the Old Testament that points us forward to him, does it lead us to just go, wow. Are we growing in our sense of just how big Jesus is? Do we have a deepening sense of wonder as we come to him in his word? As we celebrate together, as we will next week, the Lord's Supper, those signs, the bread and the juice to remind us that this Jesus, this Jesus gave his life for us. As we go down to the beach a little bit later and celebrate that through faith, We die and rise with Christ. And do we see just how majestic and awesome this Jesus is? Or are we a bit like the Doobie Brothers, you know? Jesus is just okay with me, just all right. (laughs) I like that song, but Jesus is more than just all right, let me say that. Do we have, thirdly, a growing jealousy for his honour? When Jesus is run down in the press, do we feel grief that someone so glorious, so loving, so incredible is spoken of so terribly? Do we, when we see in the lives of others and ourselves, in our words and actions, Christ defamed, does it bring us grief, do have a growing sense, a growing awareness of our sin. One of the funny things as you go on in the Christian life is you become more aware of just how far you fall short. I've had Christians who come and say, Cameron, I've been a Christian for for a long time and I feel like I'm worse than when I began. Can I just say... That's exactly the way it's meant to be. As long as Jesus and his grace is growing in proportion to the awareness of your sin. If you are growing in an awareness of sin, it means you're probably starting to see yourself a little bit more accurately than you did before. But at the same time, we need to be growing in our awareness of God's grace to us in Christ. The fact that all this sin that we see has been paid for and dealt with by Christ. Do we see that? The awareness of our sinfulness. Or do we just skate across the surface and sit comfortably? Do we have, lastly, a growing desire to make him known? Now, I know that there are one or two Port supporters in the congregation this morning. Just a few, just a few. Okay. Can I just say that if they win in the Gabba on the, what is it, 24th, uh, they're going to be insufferable, aren't they? They're going to be totally insufferable, particularly for those of us who support the other team that um, I think officially wouldn't spoon this year. Wouldn't that be good if Adelaide bookend the AFL competition? First and last. Okay. But the port supporters will be legitimately out there telling us just how amazing their team are, their team is. Yes, won't they? And actually, we'll bear with it, won't we? We'll we'll smile and nod. Yeah, okay, we'll bear with it. But can I say, Jesus is so much better than Paul. Jesus is so much better than anything that we get excited about in this world. So why wouldn't we want to tell others just how good Christ is? So as we grow in him, as we grow to know him and his grace and his majesty, we should also be growing in a desire to see him honoured in the lives of others. Do we long for that? Now, I did warn you that as you ask yourselves these questions, you need to frame it in grace. What would a good response look like? Can I say, there will always be a need for repentance. Until Christ returns and we are made perfect with him, we're never going to look at ourselves and say, yep, tick that box, (laughs) done. The Christian life is always a life in progress. There is always need, repentance the fact that you may feel grief is a good thing because it shows that God's spirit is at work in you to turn your heart to him the worst thing will be complacency where well, you just kind of go ah oh, look he said it was going to be a short sermon it has been going for 28 minutes already you know okay Complacency is the big killer. Because complacency says you don't care. And if you don't care about Christ, brother, sister, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. A Christian who has no regard for Christ has to question whether they are a Christian at all. So what do we do? As we have undergone the first step of our spiritual examination. Where to from here? I want to give you three L's really quickly. We must lean on him. It is all of grace. It is all of God. We've got to go to him. Seek his help. Ask for the spirit to give us more of Christ. Ask for the spirit to be at work in our hearts. That's what we must do. We must lean on him, not look to our own strength. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Go to the one in whose power it is possible. Beg him that you might have more of him. Jesus is not going to turn you away. Jesus is not going to turn the person away who says, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to honour you more. I want to worship you more. He's not going to go, nah, sorry. Go to Him. Lean on Him. Look to Him. That's our second L. In word and sacrament. Rejoice as we share the sacrament of baptism today. Rejoice as we share the Lord's Supper next week. Go to Him in those visible words, but also the word of Scripture. Look to Him and learn from him. That's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come to him. Learn of his grace. Learn of his majesty. We'll talk about it more in future weeks. Learn from what other brothers and sisters both informally, but also formally. Pick up books. Read Jonathan Edwards. There's worse things you could do. Brothers and sisters, this is our first spiritual. I do pray that as we look at our church and our lives individually, we will see much fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you that you have not left us alone, but you have given us Christ, our Saviour. You have poured the Spirit into our lives, and we pray, Lord, that he would be active in our church, in ourselves at this moment. Lord, we pray particularly that he would give us a greater sense of the wonder and majesty of the person and work of the Lord Jesus, that we would be a people who are growing in devotion to him and in his name we pray amen now we're going to spend just a couple of moments personal reflection but i'm not going to leave that one up on the screen i'm actually going to put back the five questions Uh, take a moment without me talking at you maybe even jot them down and commit to come back to those later but i will send them out and they're also on the outlines But just spend a moment and in about two minutes or so, I think Simon is going to come and lead us in prayer.